Women Making Waves. I had to get up at the crack of dawn this morning. Mm-hmm. Why? Because my husband and some of his friends are going out for the day, out to Doncaster to the races. Some, I don't know, somebody's birthday and they were given a day out. So I was elected as the one who was to go round this morning, picking them up and taking them to the station. So that, that was the start of my day. So my Saturday started very, very early. Like Monday to Friday, basically. So no yeah, Exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Although it's quite good because it gets you up and about. Mm. But let me talk about <laughs> my my away day. My away day was last weekend and with my neighbours who have become my good friends. That's what's happened, actually, thinking about it, that I've got to know my neighbours a lot better because of lockdown and we can talk to each other because we're so near. And we become really good friends. Really good friends. So much so that we had an away day last week in London. Mm. I know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic it was. We we stayed in this very nice cheap hotel in London and it was really nice. That's not an away day. That's an away night. Oh, I suppose. That's what we call a weekend. Well, yeah, because I suppose it was Friday night and we came back on Saturday. So, yeah, maybe it was away weekend one-nighter, basically. And it was fantastic. Hmm. One of our friends is really good at organising events and and so she organised our day. We went to an exhibition. What else did we do? We went to a food-tasting evening. So, yeah, it was brilliant. And so, yeah, we had a very nice away day and away very evening. Very nice. It was very nice, actually. Good to be with friends and have a chat and a laugh. And, you know, I suppose in many ways that's what lockdown and pandemic has done for me. I don't know about you, Linda, but do you find that you get to know your neighbours a little bit better now because of this? No. No. In okay. fact, the people people <laughs> on one side of me have never met at all because they've just moved in. And, you know, when you get to that point, I yeah. don't know if you've, been like this mm. you get to the point where you've left it so long to knock on the door and go hello you're new here they're not really new anymore <laughs> they've been here for months and I've got to that point where it's a bit late and I'm now at that point of going I can't really say hello anymore so I just haven't done it ah. so if you can help me out of this predicament that would be kind of useful I, what I, do I do I think just go around say hello how are mm-hmm. you how have you settled in in the last 20, who are you in the last yeah. 20 years <laughs> That might help. Yes. (laughs) You're listening to Women Making Waves radio show and podcast, brought to you by Susie Thorpe and Linda Ness. This show is all about women doing extraordinary things. Today I'm going to have a chat with Morag Styles, who has this wonderful title, Professor of Children's Poetry. <laughs> so this should give us an opportunity to explore that a bit further, because I really have no idea what that entails. <laughs> so Morag, tell me a little bit about how you became the Professor of Children's <laughs> Poetry. Well, the first time I went into a primary classroom, I found myself doing poetry with them. I loved to doing it. I mean, I just loved it. I loved the children's responses. I love poetry, obviously, but I loved the children's responses. And it wasn't just what they had to say about the poem or wanting to read it themselves. It was also the work I was doing, getting children to write their own poetry. And the very first book I wrote was about children writing their own poetry. So it's been my passion and I've come 
at children's poetry from almost every angle. I mean, obviously as a teacher, then when I stopped teaching at school and I was teaching at Homerton College, I used to run a Saturday morning poetry club. I did that for six years. And then I got interested in the history of children's poetry. And my first you know, major book was From the Garden to the Street, 300 Years of Poetry for Children. Then I started anthologizing. My first anthology was I Like That Stuff. That was 1984. And it was poems from many cultures. So that's always been one of my great interests. I, I love international poetry and particularly Caribbean poetry. But, you know, I'm Scott and I love my Scottish poetry as well. You know what I mean? I love yes. the whole the whole thing. I've done everything you can think of with children's poetry. And it is my first and last passion. So that although I've gone into other areas, it's a children's literature, generally literacy and, and so on. When I got a chair, which was quite late in life, only a few years before I retired. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a professor of children's literature because there's hundreds of them no my big thing is poetry i'm going to be a professor of children's poetry i mean i couldn't be a professor of poetry because of course there's the oxford one so i wouldn't dream of putting myself in that category <laughs> but yes children's poetry it is i believe I, I i just love the effect poetry has on children and what they make of it themselves mm. it's just wonderful so has your work with the chair of, of being professor of children's poetry involved working with trainee teachers and, and students to help develop their interests and so that it's continuing work into, into schools? How does that work? Yes, indeed, indeed. So when I moved from being a teacher, I became a teacher educator and climbed to the dizzy heights of being language coordinator. So built up a fabulous team of usually ex-teachers and uh, I think there were eight of us and we had I think about 150 students in each year group and we taught them every year and they were here for four years mm -hmm. so it was a lot of time plus the postgraduates that we were teaching as well and Poetry was always there, an integral part of it. And, you know, we devised the course together, but obviously I did the leading on the, on the poetry strand. Then, a few years in, I started to move in a, in a more academic direction as well. And I started researching children's poetry, researching its history, which is fascinating. And then was writing in a... I mean academic work to do with children's poetry but it was always wanted it to be accessible to anybody who was just interested I mean I hate academic jargon so uh, that was never one of my interests but yes turning students on to how to work with children on poetry has been one of my raison d'etres and you know right up to the time when I retired about eight years ago I always did the poetry lecture <laughs> and it was a huge, huge pleasure because often people are afraid of poetry and they think they can't do it and so on. And I'd say to them, it's the easiest thing in the world, turning children onto poetry. But, you know, here are some of the things you want to think about and here are some of the poets are really good at it and here are some of the anthologies and the collections you want to look at and, and here's ways of doing it and so on and so forth. And I love doing all that. And it was always great. You know, students would come up to you and say, it worked you know? 
and yeah it was a huge huge pleasure so tell me what you're working on at the moment then well at the moment i'm working with two colleagues on the third edition of children reading pictures or picture books and this is something we started way back in 1997-98 where we developed this research project where we would invite children aged 4 to 11 to tell us how they read picture books. I actually had written a book about picture books before that with Victor Watson so I'd already spent time noticing the way children read picture books and and actually asking them questions about it and doing quite a lot of observational stuff and we knew that children came up with the most fantastic interpretations it was profound and they were really immersed in these picture books and so on but we wanted to get much more detail. So we decided we would work with, in the end it was seven schools, and we worked with two other researchers who were friends of ours and we knew were really good at that sort of thing. And it was quite hard to decide on which picture books to, to use because we wanted to go as young as four, reception children, and we wanted to go as old as 11. And so we decided in the end to go for the very young children, the oldest children, and then somewhere in between. And one of the people doing the research, Cathy Coulthard, she was working in London and she was an expert on diversity and and, uh, how that works with... um, Well, interpreting the pictures, I suppose. It's because you're bringing your own culture, aren't you, when you look at a picture, yes, abs- your own experiences and your family experience when you look at this picture. Yes, absolutely. And so that was a very positive thing that happened that we actually had loads of children who were multilingual mm. or just becoming bilingual who had just arrived in Britain because that's the sort of children that Cathy was working with. So we had three schools in multicultural London and we had several schools in Cambridge and one school in Essex and we worked with the teachers concerned and some of the uh, results really surprised the teachers because one of the things we found was that children who were not perhaps academically at that point doing particularly well but they might not have been very good at reading say Mm -hmm but some of them could read pictures wonderfully well or read the interaction between yes. word and image, which is what picture books are yeah. about. So that was really exciting. So yes, the actual research took about a year because we, we went into all these schools, perhaps somewhere near the beginning of the school year, and we decided that it might be an idea to speak to some of the children again. So although we started with about 100 plus a few uh, children, we went back to maybe a third of that number six months later on the same book and found that there were some changes in the six months in terms of children's understanding of what was going on in these picture books. And Evelyn is Mexican and obviously uh, speaks Spanish 
and sooner or later the book was translated into Spanish and some other languages as well. And one of the great things about it was that we, we got such warm feedback from teachers from many parts of the world who obviously like this book. And Evelyn and I have both written quite a lot of books on you know, different areas within children's literature. But this is the book that has warmed the heart of more teachers than any of the others. So that's why they've asked us to do a third edition and we should have cracked it by Christmas, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the righteous thing, isn't it? <laughs> I have this line. I suppose it's because it's a practical thing, isn't it? That so you, you read it and you think, in my classroom, I could do that. I could sit with a child or a parent could sit with a child or in lots of our schools, it could be a, you know, a reading assistant who comes and and just talk through it and what they're seeing on the page and what they're thinking and their vocabulary improves as a result and all you know, sorts of things skills and all of those things and it's, yes. it's a, a handbook then isn't it really rather than an yes. academic treatise that yes you read and yes and those shelf. who want to read the the theories and all the rest of it it's there in the book but if they just want to, to go with the practical bits then there's mm. that too one thing i haven't said yet is that because I'd done quite a lot of observing of children reading and talking to them about, about picture books beforehand. In fact, I'd done a book with Victor Watson about children reading picture books, but it wasn't in depth in the way that this research was. But um, I, I knew that the little ones, I could see how absorbed they were in, in these picture books and how they were looking backwards and forwards and how they were getting hold of a friend and saying, look at this and so on and so forth. But when I asked them questions, even though they were quite gentle questions, they often sort of couldn't say very much. I'm talking about four or five-year-olds, mm -hmm. six-year-olds. And so I said to the team, I think we should ask the children to draw in response to the book as well. I think we might find things out from the younger ones that they can't say to us. Well, it turned out to be the best thing we did <laughs> because we couldn't do it just with some of them. You know, if we were going to do it, we, we did it with all of it. And the children's drawings, I mean, first of all, they were so stunning. I mean, it's the cover. I love the cover. It's happened to be radio, isn't happened it? <laughs> to be an autistic child, uh -huh. which so that was very very special. Uh, but we had loads of absolutely wonderful pictures that the children did. They just got to do one picture in response of any kind they wanted to the, the picture books we were reading with them, and it, it became a huge focus of the outcomes of this research because it, it was showing us so many things mm. that the children felt and from then on a lot of people have picked that up and run with it and there's been quite a lot of research and nowadays there's often video research as well on how children are responding to a picture book what they're saying to each other while they're doing it, and also while they're drawing mm. although videoing children these days is not one of the no, things. it's yeah. a, a difficult thing. Yeah. It's something we would have automatically done in our classrooms and now yes. it's, it's more of a yes. problem for it the is. reasons that we know. Yeah. Um, we didn't actually video. We uh, just taped everything, mm. but we took field notes mm. and so on. I'm interested in when you're reviewing something that you've written and you're writing a new edition of this, 
and you're writing with a writing partner but has that changed in your new edition? Yes it has actually and it's very exciting because Kate Noble has joined us as the team of writers of this book and Kate was in the original research. Oh how interesting. Uh, she'd been my student on a children literature course that we used to run for undergraduates and she was absolutely brilliant at it and uh, then she got her first job in Cambridge just about the time when we were doing our research so obviously we wanted to use her in her classroom and Kate actually is an artist oh, and she, she did art and education at Homerton College in, uh, when she was doing her degree and she was so much help not just as a class teacher where we were searching some of her children uh, but in our analysis of the children's drawings she wrote her chapter on that and since then I mean Kate then did a, a PhD on children reading picture books oh. and yeah I was excellent PhD. I was one of her supervisors. <laughs> and she went on to have three of her own children. And then she started work at the Fitzwilliam Museum. Oh, right. And okay. uh, so what we've done with the third edition is to give a lot more prominence to the sort of work that's going on in museums and art galleries, which has been fantastic in recent years. And we realised that we wanted to have quite a lot of that in the new book. So why not ask Kate if she would like to be Absolutely, a part of it? an and, obvious candidate. And she did. So <laughs> Wonderful contributor. She brings everything, doesn't yes, she? Yes, indeed. Okay, indeed. Exciting. Well, we'll, I'll look forward to that coming up. Yes. I've seen on your desk then um, a large book called Children's Picture Books. It's the most wonderful illustration on the cover, which I is know. based on butterflies and things, which yeah. is just great. It's absolutely beautiful, beautiful. isn't it? In fact, I, uh, I think I only met Martin Salisbury for the first time in 2000, and that's when we were, we were running a large uh, international conference on picture books, and we'd invited 20 of the most famous picture book illustrators in Britain, and in fact also organising an exhibition called Picture This, which was going out in the, at the Fitzwilliam Fitz, Museum yeah. the, in the millennium. And Martin and I started talking. He was teaching illustration at Anglia Ruskin University. He's now professor of illustration there. And we realised that we were both running master's courses with our students. All his students were superb artists and, you know, with degrees in art and so on and our students were looking at children's literature from the literary point of view mm. and we realised we had lots in common mm -hmm. and so we started to work together with our students just in a smallish way but for some years we held a joint evening lecture course for master's students and it was so interesting because there were our students who were specialists in literature and his students, of course, were specialists in art. And of course, they all of them drew all the way through the oh, lectures. <laughs> and, and as well as that, uh, we used to go in and 
watched the students doing their work at Anglia Ruskin and we would ask them questions and so on. They would ask us questions and we would talk to them about some of the things we were doing going into school and, and working with children on picture books mm. and they would be showing us the sort of picture books that they were making themselves and yeah. loads of them went on to be published and, right. and some of them are really yeah. some of the finest <laughs> illustrators today you know and it's a very very good course so that got us going together and then when Martin thought about doing a book like this this is the second edition actually right. of children's picture books the art of visual storytelling yes then he asked me if I would work with him on it and mostly what I brought to it was what we had learned from children yes. about their yes, responses to picture to books. Pictures, yes. But as I was extremely excited and keen on illustration by then too, it was just wonderful what because we, we learned from each other. Yes, yeah. Yeah. and that led to an exhibition at the FIT. Yep, and we called it uh, Picture This, Children's Picture Books at the Millennium or yes. something like that. So we had... Quentin Blake and Anthony Brown and well we had 20 illustrators and it was fantastic to you know to watch people going round I mean particularly watching children children watching children <laughs> Just, and yes. they would be so excited because they would see paintings on the wall and we made sure they were hung low enough for children to yes. and and the blurb about them was written and child-friendly and low down so that they could read about each picture and we had loads of copies of the books publishers were really good about that mm -hmm. and cushions around and yeah. all that sort of yes. thing and um, I remember a little boy jumping up and down with his book and going there's a picture up on the wall and it's in my book you know and it was great it was it was on for a few months and Every spare moment I had, I would just go in and watch people. Yes, yeah. It was fantastic. You know, you'd see sort of late teenage kids sort of sitting on the floor reading a picture book from beginning to end, or, or old people coming mm. in and so on. Oh, it was, it was amazing. But I also think that you've been um, involved in book awards and a judge in some book awards. Yeah, I've been a judge for loads of things to, um, to do with poetry. Yes. Uh, over the years yes. but just recently what was really exciting was being asked to judge a new award at the Bologna Book Fair okay so it's called the Bologna Ragazzi Award mm -hmm. and the new award was for poetry and illustration together it wasn't the best book of poems it wasn't the best book of illustration it was how the artwork interacted with the words i mean i couldn't have said no it, you would have, no it's designed for you it was designed <laughs> absolutely and your name all over it uh, and, and it was international yeah. they said all the things i loved yeah. and uh it was a, a total revelation to me yes. total revelation some of the most wonderful work came interestingly enough from latin america oh. all over europe different parts of the world it was a very exciting experience we had to look at a lot of things in a, a relatively short time it was hard yes it was really really tough to do but it was so worthwhile and uh i, I a great experience i so hope they ask me again and i can um, be doing it <laughs> i hope so yes I, I do hope so i do hope so <laughs> i think it's just been wonderful to think about 
the illustrations and, and children's picture books, things that we often take for granted, and yet most people's homes have them. We buy them for the grandchildren and, and so on. And I think it certainly made me think about it. I mean, I'm an ex-teacher of literacy, and I'm thinking about it in a, a different way, just listening to you talk about it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your professional and personal passions with us. It's been absolutely wonderful, and I shall go back and look at children's picture books in a completely different way. I oh, think. oh, please do, because there's nothing that children's picture books don't cover. There's no topic it doesn't cover. It will, it will tackle the hardest things in the world. They are the first galleries that children yeah. encounter. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of Women Making Ways. We really would like to thank our guests today, Councillor Anna Smith and Professor Morag Stiles, as well, of course, as our contributor, Jan Moore, and her engineer, Tony Salford. We're always on the lookout for women who are doing interesting things. And if you know of a woman who you think we should be talking to, please do get in touch. You can contact us via social media on Twitter and Facebook at WomenMW or on Instagram at Women Making Waves Radio. You can also find us on cambridge105.co.uk or visit our website womenmakingwaves.co.uk where you can hear all of our interviews. So until next time, bye. Bye.